By default, you don't control your own life very much. That's not a thing you should expect to happen automatically. Controlling your life requires understanding what sort of situation you're in, your culture, the world, your genes, etc. And understanding what sort of control over your life those things have and what you can do about it and what steps you have to take to gain control over your life. You have to learn what are the threats to your control of your life and what are the solutions to those threats. And then you have to learn the skills required to actually do the solutions. And for a lot of these things, they're hard. It's, it's not like cooking where you learn like a recipe and you learn how to put the pot on the stove and so on. And then once you have the skill, you succeed. With these things, you have to learn not only the skill of how to do it, you also have to learn how to not fool yourself, how to not be biased and lie to yourself and rationalize things and evade things. It's possible to like learn a skill and think you're doing it and then not actually do it, um, to do it wrong in a way that doesn't really come up much with uh, cooking. So it's harder. You have to learn skills for controlling your life and skills for introspection and honesty and checking if you're fooling yourself. And if you don't do all that stuff, then you don't have much control over your life. The default is not controlling your life. It's either do all that stuff, become an expert on a bunch of philosophy, or just not have much control over your life. And more or less, no one cares about that. They won't take it seriously. They don't even know enough philosophy or have enough honesty or whatever to acknowledge the issue that... It takes actual work to control your life instead of just being a default. People just don't want to face that, that it's not automatic. But of course it's not automatic. You have like parents and culture, TV, magazines, news, books telling you what to think, what to do. You have teachers teaching you what kind of life to have, what kind of thought processes to use, what kind of beliefs to have. A lot of you have like preachers or priests or whatever telling you what to think, what to believe, what to do with your life, how to live. There's so much stuff telling you what to do that you should not expect that your life is your own if you haven't done anything to make it your own. There's plenty of things that try to control your life. Lots of people worry about turning into their parents or being controlled by their parents or something like that. Like they're aware of a piece of the issue, but do they do anything methodical to deal with that problem? No, they just maybe rebel a bit or something or don't really know what to do about it. Or like date a black guy to make their parents mad and to not be like their parents. But stuff like that is superficial. It doesn't really deal with the underlying problem. It's still it's playing into the dynamics of their parents' creation. Like, it's not what they would do if their parents didn't exist. If you're doing something in reaction to your parents, even if it's not the thing they want, it's still, it's not a thing just chosen by you either. If you're defying your parents, that isn't you controlling your life. It is your dynamic with your parents controlling your life.
So basic point, the default situation is you're a puppet of your culture, of static memes, of your parents, of your teachers, of your so on. And if you don't like that, you have to do something about it. Doing something about it means learning how to think better. That's a requirement. If you can't think well, including honest introspection and critical analysis of your own thoughts and behaviors, then you're not going to be able to succeed at this stuff. You'll just end up fooling yourself in some way. Rationalizing something, blinding yourself to something, lying to yourself about something. You'll end up being biased and not realizing you're biased, and so you'll fail. So to have much control over your life, you need expertise that few people have. Why do few people have it? Primarily because most people don't try to have it. Like that's the biggest obstacle to learning a bunch of philosophy, learning epistemology, learning how to think well and how to organize thinking with good methods is most people don't try very much. And even the few who take some interest in it and participate in some discussions or whatever, um, they make a limited effort, they have limited interest in it, they don't take it super seriously in general. Think of it like a bell curve of how interested people are and how much they try. And so like the bulk in the center of the bell curve just basically isn't really even trying. And then as you start to get the people who actually will like participate at a philosophy forum or something, most of the people are only slightly over the cutoff instead of like way over the cutoff. Because it's a bell curve and there's more people closer to the center than further away. Like there's more people who are a slight outlier, like one or two standard deviations than a bigger outlier, like three or four standard deviations. So wherever the cutoff is for um, participating in philosophy discussions and reading some books and making some sort of effort to learn something, most of the people who are over the cutoff are just a little over the cutoff. And then the further past like the minimum cutoff you get, the less common it is. So that's why like most people who do some stuff in this area don't do a lot is because statistically they're just barely interested. There's going to be a lot more people who are have just enough interest to try a little bit than have a lot of interest and try a lot. That's not an exact thing. Like it doesn't have to be a bell curve because it's not random, but I think it's a good approximate model. The lack of like interest and strong feelings about these things is it's interesting to me and a little bit shocking and like weird or counterintuitive because something like having control of your life is the kind of thing that would really motivate me. I would really care and want to do something about that. I'd be really interested and like try to learn all I could about it and so on. Like, I was interested in philosophy with less reason than that. I didn't have that framing. Like, you have to do this or you won't have control of your life. If I'd known that, I would have been, like, even more interested, I think. I was just like, oh, I like good ideas. This seems interesting. And then I energetically pursued it because if you like something and you're going to spend time on it, you might as well do a good job. And it's more fun that way and you learn more and so on. But anyways, there's something like really screwy that people can just not care about things like control over their life or um, 
being honest with themselves and like learning how to do that because that's also a skill it's not automatic or just being good at figuring out what's true and what's false because if you're not good at figuring out what's true and what's false you're gonna spend like your whole life in service of falsehoods pretty much maybe you'll get lucky but people do so much stuff that's only a good idea if a particular idea is true and if it's false then they're wasting their time or even doing something destructive and so you have to know a lot about how to judge truth and false, or you don't know how to act in the world. And to me, that's like motivating and inspiring and so on. A lot of people seem to feel like more it's a threat, like they're being pressured, like you have to learn this philosophy you don't want to learn, or there will be these bad consequences. I think that's how a lot of people will, will hear this podcast. Like it's threatening them with lack of control over their life, but that's completely wrong because I'm not the cause of your problem. I'm just the messenger. I'm telling you about a problem you already have so that you can now have the opportunity to deal with it. And people deny this stuff, but they're not experts. They don't know what they're talking about. And they don't know how to judge experts in the field either. I guess that's part of the problem is they don't know how to tell the difference between me saying this and some self-help guy saying something else, or some other philosopher saying something else. So they just believe what they want to believe, whatever is more convenient or friendly or whatever, or they like in some way. A lot of it is that. They don't want to think for themselves. They just hear competing expert claims and then pick and choose the ones that they're biased about. And that's part of how they lose control over their lives because they're just being ruled by biases instead of by actual thinking and judgment. The way to judge experts without being one yourself is something I wrote a blog post about a few days ago. And the basic concept is you have to look at the state of the debate and who is open to debate, who is not open to debate, who has outstanding criticisms of their position that they haven't answered and won't answer, and who is scrupulously answering objections and address, addressing questions and so on. And to the extent these things are unclear, why are they unclear? Like, who is making them unclear? Why don't people make it clear what they're doing? If someone actually addresses questions and criticisms and so on, um, they should make that visible and visible to non-experts. Like, you shouldn't have to be an expert to see that someone has answered a bunch of questions or whatever. And you shouldn't have to be an expert for them to present to you that they've not only answered the questions, but they've addressed follow-ups. Like, that's a common thing people do, is they'll answer questions, but no follow-ups, and that prevents very much criticism or questioning. Like, it's, it's hard to bring up a lot of stuff if you only got one question and then you never got a follow-up. Like, because then they just give you like a, a not great answer and then you don't get to point out the problems. A lot of times getting to like the important point takes a few back and forth because they haven't adequately published in advance all of their beliefs. So you have to ask some preliminary questions and then depending on what they say, you'll have different follow-ups. So that kind of thing requires some back and forth, especially when people don't have um, a ton of published material going into great detail on what they think. Even when people have like several books, you often, it's just completely standard at that point 
to still need to ask some preliminary questions about like, you know, in this part of the book, you were talking about this issue, but it was unclear to me how you would answer like the following question. And then they give an answer and then you have to follow up and say, okay, well, here's what I think is wrong with that. Right, you can't just do that as like one thing. Because a lot of times with the book, your response is like, I don't think you give a clear answer to this issue. And then, you know, what is your position? Like a lot of times your issue with the book is that it didn't present a clear position on something. And so that's really hard to deal with as like a single comment or question. So a good expert should have a lot of material where they're answering questions and follow-ups and getting into um, some back and forth with some people. And they should have methods and those methods should be public. Like if you're going to be a good expert, if you're going to be a thinker who gets things right, what methods are you using to do that? What are your thinking methods? What's your philosophy? How do you think discussion, criticism, and thinking should be organized and so on? A lot of people say like they're too busy to answer questions or most questions or questions from most people or whatever. It's like, okay, but do you just do that in an ad hoc way? Is that like an excuse you use whenever you feel like it? Or are there any rules for how you do it? Do you have any methods um, that govern which questions you answer and when and why? Why those? Is there any way that a person can submit a question to you and they follow certain rules and then they know they've met your criteria for a question you'll actually answer? Like, is there any way they can do that? Is there any type of question you do want to answer? And if someone is willing to, to follow your guidelines, then they'll actually get an answer instead of getting ignored. Or does everyone who wants to speak to you have to face, like, from their perspective, just an 80% random chance of being ignored? Or in some cases, like 99.99% for more popular, famous people. And if you're too busy to answer all the issues, like, what are you doing about that? Why is that okay? Like, if you just ignore criticisms because you're busy, then you were too busy to, like, think things through. How does that make you a good expert? And which criticisms do you ignore and why those? What are the rules for that? Do you just decide, like, by intuition, by bias? by unexplained, unquestionable judgment. Anyway, those are the kinds of ways that lay people can judge experts, is by their methodology, or if they just won't state any methodology, then you can judge them negatively. They're not a very good expert. They might be an expert on something like reasonably specific, and especially something that's like less intellectual. Like the further you get away from philosophy, the more you can get away with not having this kind of stuff, like a car mechanic. Um, might not know anything about intellectual methods, but could still offer good expertise about what replacement part will fix your car. A lot of why they, they can get away with that is there's a lack of controversy. It's not a matter of disputing as experts. There are some controversies in the field of car mechanics, but to a large extent, like all the experts agree, like this is how you repair this kind of broken whatever. And so you're just relying on someone who knows something you don't, and then they apply that skill and it helps you. Whereas the issue I'm talking about more is when experts disagree on things, especially about ideas, um, things that are like normally seen as more intellectual or philosophical or being about like how to think and that kind of thing, then, then someone being trained is not like a big help. Like you can, you can have a college degree in philosophy and still be wrong, you know? 
Whereas that comes up less with mechanics. Like if someone is a certified mechanic who's gone through the right training, then it's possible that they're wrong, but it's less of an issue. It's less of a worry. Whereas with like the intellectual controversies, it's a big worry. Like there's clearly trained people on both sides of many, many issues who disagree. Or sometimes there's like 10 sides. And you can have experts on all the sides disagreeing because the expertise, the training, is not a good way of judging people. It's not super relevant. In more intellectual fields that are like soft, like like social sciences and philosophy and psychology, a lot of training and university education is to some extent counterproductive. It can be indoctrination with bad ideas. So it can, to some extent, be a sign of a non-expert rather than a real expert. Like, it's hard to imagine, like, a real independent thinker, a really good philosopher, putting up with college. Um, there's so much pressure in our, our society to go that you can forgive someone for it. Um, or maybe they make progress after college, like, later. Like, But to some extent, it's a bad sign about someone that they would put up with that, that they would go through that. And I think the further along you get in the education system, the worse of a sign it is. Because, like, a great person probably wouldn't really like middle school. You know, they're like, I'm not learning much. This sucks. I don't want to go here. But a lot of people in middle school age do not have much control over their lives. It's not their choice. Their parents send them to school, you know? So you got to forgive them for that. And then for high school, they have like a little more choice. Like dropping out was a bit more of an option. But you're still totally going to forgive people for having gone to high school. Then you get to college and there's still a ton of pressure and a lot of times their parents basically send them to college and it's not that different from high school. But there is significantly more choice there. Um, now they're legally allowed to get a job. You know, there's a bunch of rules against like minors having jobs um, or living on their own or that kind of thing. But once they're college age, now they actually could just be like, no, screw you. I'm going to move out. I'm going to work at McDonald's. I don't have to go to college. You can't make me go to college. You know, so someone has a choice there. It still can be a crappy choice. Um, but there's more opportunity for the person to take control over their life. And then as you go further along, um, it gets even clearer, like in grad school. And then when you get like a PhD, you know, a lot of people don't get PhDs. It's less common than college. So there's less pressure to do it. So if someone has like a PhD in philosophy, that's an especially bad sign about them. Like, why did they go to grad school and get a PhD? Why did they want to put up with these terrible professors who are teaching them terrible ideas and spend a bunch of time and money on that? Like, why didn't they just drop out of school and learn actual good ideas on their own? Why didn't they have the, like, initiative to do their own self-study instead of being guided by bad philosophers who have bad ideas? Or do they actually think that, like, the professors that they got their PhD from are, like, good philosophers? Which is, um, I mean, that's debatable. It's something I disagree with. And you, you can look at those professors in general and like their methodology and how open to the debate are they? How open to criticism and questions? How much do they like publish positions and say, I think this is true. If anyone knows anything wrong with it, I'd really like to hear it. How much do they participate in serious discussions? Can they, where are their websites where they say like, here were my last 100 discussions. You can read them and and see that I spend time discussing seriously. You know, how many of them do that? 
That's part of the problem with why people don't take appropriate steps to gain control over their life is because the like the obvious societal steps like well just go to school for it and have a teacher tell you what to think don't solve that problem they're terrible at it and a lot of people um they may not know a lot but they're they don't have a lot of respect for like a philosophy phd they don't think that will make them a good thinker um who has control over his life they don't think that will solve the problem and they're right you know you don't have to know a ton to maybe have some understanding that some things don't work very well. Like you can look at the people who come out of those programs and you can talk to some of them and, and see what they're like and and whether they spend their time being like telling you good ideas and having a bunch of insight or just sounding clever and fancy and whatever crap. You know, you can have some impression of that type of person and whether you actually want to be one and, and be like, no, that's not for me. But but just because the uh, some of the established institutions regarding like thinking and reason and whatever in our society are pretty crappy, doesn't mean just give up. Um, it means look elsewhere, uh, read a bunch of books from like a variety of different authors, and or not even read them, but just read sections of them and, and see which ones you think are any good. Look around. Um, find reading recommendations from a variety of different people who in some way have some merit, you think, and, and see if you like any of them or find any of them useful. And ultimately you have to use your own judgment, even if it's not great and is infected by static memes or whatever. But there, there's no getting around like using your own brain, um, outsourcing all the decisions to Philosophy professors won't solve the problem. Even if they had good brains, like, you can't get away from needing to think for yourself. And, like, the, the type of interaction with an expert should not be they give lectures and tell you what to think and you just get indoctrinated with it all and believe whatever you're told. You know, a proper educational kind of institution wouldn't be like that. It would help people think for themselves and give some recommendations, and be open to dissent and criticism and so on. And the, the schools do an awful job at that. They're very much designed around, like, we have the answers, our professors are authorities who know best, and we're going to tell you what we know, and then you're going to believe it. And we're going to test you on whether you've remembered what you were told and accepted it. And, and that kind of method doesn't work. But... You have to find something that does work, or you're just sort of giving up on life, giving up on your mind, giving up on reason. Just because it's hard or there's problems or there's no like easy answer doesn't mean you can ignore the problem that you actually need reason, you need methods of thinking, um, you need to have good judgment, or you're going to go through life um, pursuing falsehoods because of biases, emotions, memes, etc., that you don't understand, that you picked up from your culture and you don't even know what's going on there. There are powerful forces in the world, and if you've never learned like what they are and how they work and what to do about them, then you're going to be a sucker or a puppet.
And if you think you have learned adequately what they are and what to do about them, um, write it down, discuss it, um, take questions and criticisms, share it, and see how it stands up to debate. Um, if you think you're actually an expert, you need to do all those things I talked about experts doing, the paths forward stuff, the having ways that you can be corrected, having feedback mechanisms, um, having organized ways that you deal with all the criticisms and the objections so that you can try to figure out what's actually true instead of just ignoring a bunch of errors and mistakes and shielding ideas from criticism.